Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. Uh, this week's episode is Samantha, great friend, and you're going to love her, I promise. Um, plugs for this episode are uh, follow Dad's Cologne, follow RBA Comedy, check out the shows coming up this Saturday. My house team is performing, Gossip Badge, so come check that out, uh, 8 o'clock on Saturday. Um, check out Trash Bang's YouTube um, check out DJ Skinoy's, uh, newest upload, he just uploaded something pretty fucking cool, uh, nope, back on my short intro again, here it is. Joke me something awful just like kisses on the necks of best friends. I took a shot and didn't even come close At trust and love of a home And the poets are just kids who didn't make it And never had it at all Playing music is something I've always wanted to do. I have been well documented on this show saying that. Yeah. And um, it's cool now getting to the point where I'm comfortable singing in front of people. Uh, and it just made like a fun thing that happens. Like it's not, a, it used to be this thing where it's like, oh, I gotta impress people and like it's gotta be this thing I'm good at and I've gotta have the, ba- I don't know, the baby, I gotta be great at it. Right. And so now it's just like, I just love doing it. And when I do it and I have fun while I'm doing it, People, That's all that matters. Yeah, people usually have fun with it. It's, it's the same with improv. It's like, I, I've always said it where it's like, the best improv is when you're having fun with your teammates. You're trying to make your teammates laugh. Yeah. Um, that shit resonates. That's why Jensen was so good, because they were, like, really good friends, really tight. Like, more tight, I think, than any other team of that wave. And they just, it showed. I remember the Everybody Ride was, like, that was, like, one of their best performances. Like, mm. it was amazing. It was yeah. such a good, it was such a good re- representation of that idea. I don't know. I'm super about it. No, like, I think as long as, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be fun. Like, I found myself, um, like, I don't know. It's funny when I I went to the only time I've ever done karaoke, the only time I ever sang in front of people, mm-hmm. um, it was on my birthday, and I was at Sticky Rice, and the I sang Sugar Going Down, and I was so nervous. I had been drinking beforehand, but I was so nervous the hour before I went that I had to stop, and I was like, I'm going to vomit everywhere. Like, I was <laughs> immediately mortified, and then I got up there, and of course, like, when you sing, like, songs that you've been singing since you're, like, 15, you have a certain way that you do it, uh-huh. so... I was seeing it the way that I would sing along in the car, even though my voice is, like, the only one that's, like, notice. It's, like, not harmonizing with Patrick. Like, it's yeah. a completely different thing. So then you, I'm sure you do this, too, where you follow Patrick's vocal harmonies when he sings live, if you've heard certain songs. Yeah. You, like, do, his, you like, know exactly what no, it sounds like. Yeah, you do. And yeah. you just, like, you try to emulate it. So I was trying to do that. And so, but Sticky writes the whole bar sang along, like, screaming along with me. And, and that was incredibly gratifying. Like, because yeah. I was like, it doesn't matter how good or bad I am, like, these people don't give a shit. They're also drunk and they're having a really good time. Yeah. So, like, it, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I don't have to be super great at it as long as 
I'm having fun. It doesn't matter. Granted, yeah. I still was so nauseous. I was like, oh. I can't drink anymore. I was like, I have to stop. <laughs> I'm going to blow my chunks everywhere. It was really embarrassing. I was like, ugh. And the worst part was seeing my coworker, so Stone, who works with me at World of Mirth, he videotaped it. And I was like, he was yeah, like, I, I got this. Video. Yeah, he was like, uh, so I got this. And I was like, do you ever send that to me? I don't need to see that <laughs> because I'm going to be absolutely mortified watching so that. So send it to the show, producerscast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, I'll send yeah, it okay. exclusively to you. I'll be like, hey, Stone, you still got that pic- that video? He'll probably be like, uh, maybe on my cloud. I'm like, all right, well. I got people who need to see it. Yeah, people apparently. Need, we need to see this. Well, you can also just see any of my like live videos of me like taking like at a Fall Boy show or something like that, like singing <laughs> along in the background. I'm like, ooh, I sound rough. Like, oh. Oh. <laughs> I, know what you're about. I think you're the first real Fall Out Boy fan I've had on the show. Really? I think so. Other than yourself? Other than myself, yeah, I've been on every episode. Um, yeah, I um, I talked about it a bunch, and. I think that it's just validating to finally have you on. Thank you. Yeah. Fall Out Boy is real, and it's very good. Letterbox and the social media. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. What a... No, it's blurry. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm still perfect. I like how I'm doing the, the social <laughs> meds on the, on, on the show now. Well, I, I stopped. I, I got really bad. Actually, you know, I'm going to switch. I used to do the Photoshop fix. Mm. Too much of a hassle. Yeah. Too much of a hassle. Don't it's a do lot. it. I got to catch up for the last season. Mm-hmm. And now I'll start doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. You got you to gotta chase that, chase your bliss. Do you? Um, so you're Samantha. I'm Samantha. I feel like I never do intros either. And I feel like that's not always uh, polite. But Oh, no. But you're here now. I'm here. Um... So, I know we can talk about improv. We can talk about whatever you want to we'll talk about. We'll get to it. Yeah. What, um, what, what is, to you, something that you think of yourself with create you're creative at? Something that you're creative at? That's a good question. Um, the one, like, so, in the, for the sake of, like, diving deep or whatever, mm. my mom was an artist. So, as a kid... I was constantly comparing myself and my creative endeavors to hers because she was so easily talented. She was, like, very much... Her artistic style was, like, impressionist. So, like, Degas, Monet, mm-hmm. Larry Cassatt, Renoir. Like, that was her style. Um, so I kind of viewed it through that way. I realized at a young age that I could pick up music very easily. Mm-hmm. So I actually started playing saxophone. So music came very naturally. Okay. And then writing. I didn't know you played sax. I played sax in fourth grade. That's why, um, show, that's why this show is super important because I learned so many things. Um, I played sax in fourth grade. And um, then I switched to clarinet in fifth grade. But only because they had a maximum limit for saxophone players. Oh, those air quotes were ferocious. They had, we had like 20 flute players, 20 clarinet players, but five saxophone players and like 10 percussionists for like fifth grade band. But anyway, I got into sax because I was watching The Simpsons and I saw Lisa Simpson playing the saxophone. That's and so, the best. That's the best story. So I got really into that. Um, and then I had to switch because of the limit for saxophones. We had to have to do two choices. So I taught myself piano and I did music. But around the same time, I started writing. So writing was something I always found myself gravitating towards. I did art classes because my mom made me do art classes, but I loved writing. So my first, like, I wrote, like, 
poetry in elementary school and like little short stories. I wrote a short story in fifth grade that was about it was a murder mystery. It took Ooh. place in Ireland. I used <laughs> there was also surfing involved, which were two things that I was very obsessed with, and I'm not entirely sure how that happened. It may have been around the time Titanic was can out. You just like, say, can you say that one more time? Ireland. Ireland. Surfing. And a murder mystery. And then the... Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that... Yeah, no, it was that. very real. It, those things don't actually exist together. Like, none of those things. Well, they, Maybe the murder well, mystery. They did after your... They did. The fiction the, I created. So it does exist. Whether whether you can you have access to it or not, it existed. It did. And then I used the rainbow word art that was in Microsoft Word. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember printing it out and being like, this is fire. Like, I was so, like, excited about it. Um... But then I stopped writing for a while, and then in eighth grade, I started reading Harry Potter illicitly. My mom was not allowing me to read Harry Potter. Ooh. So I got re- there was only four books out, so I was reading Harry Potter, and I had a dream, and I think this is the first and only time I've ever admitted this to anybody. I was having a dream, and it was really scary at first. I was, like, in these Egyptian catacombs. And then I turned it into a Harry Potter dream, because the movie had just come out, and this is, like fall 2001 like right after like november 2001 or something like that and i woke up and i was like oh my gosh this was so cool so i wrote harry potter fan fiction hell yes like an absurd amount of harry potter fan fiction like had a secret notebook hid it from my mom so she wouldn't know of course i was writing it or reading the books still Were you just, like reading the books at school I was. I kept them in my locker, and I would read them during my 8th grade science class. Hell yes. How I passed 8th grade science is beyond me. I have no idea. You knew all the magic you needed. I did. Technically, science is magic if we're really going to, like, break it down to that kind of basic level. So what became of the fanfic? The fanfic died. And then when I was in high school, I started writing a teen fiction novel that was okay it's even more embarrassing because so the book i was writing i was like really into pop punk and like really into music so this is 2002 so like the starting line and like like uh all american rejects and like the ataris were like huge like at that time it was like starting to reach its like peak and like that first june like or the middle bleed american by jimmy e world had like come out so like it's around that time so I was getting really into pop punk, and um, I started writing this, like, oh, man, this little novel that I would write after school or on weekends. And it, of course, as any writer can tell you, you're writing about yourself in a different scenario, especially mm-hmm. when you're a teen living in, like, Williamsburg, Virginia, which is the most boring place in the entire world. Um, you are writing about yourself and the world that you know, because you're constantly being told as a writer, you write what you know. Love it. I didn't know how to play guitar, but my character in my book that I was writing was in a cool pop punk cover band. Um, and, oh my! And I'm sure there were uh, parts from the story where it's just like they had just come off the stage. They were playing Yellow Cards Ocean Avenue in their garage. Like, <laughs> oh, it was so embarrassing. But I, the worst part was. Because I was really into Daniel Radcliffe at the time. He was the protagonist's, like, interest. Did you call him Daniel? No. He had a different name. I can't remember it. Viper. 
no. We were all nerds because we were also in band. Like, I was a band geek. Like, oh, yeah, I, I did band also this entire time. I was in, like, writing. So, like, I just no did. Way. Yeah, so I played clarinet for a long time. Did marching band. We'll go on that later. Oh, please. I want to hear all about the art. The oh, creativity all of the art. Band. Yes, there's not really a whole lot. There's a lot of, like. like there's real, a lot of, lot of, unfortunately, not a lot of creativity in a high school band. No. There's a lot of inappropriate jokes, though. So, you know, that's how it goes. But anyway. So I wrote this whole novel. I used to have a notebook. I would bring it with me. I, like, edited it. I worked on it for, like, two years, like, typing it after school, working on weekends, printing out pages, going through, redlining it, and, like, doing all this stuff. And then I just got burnt out, and I stopped writing for a while. So for through, like, years, I would, like, start a screenplay, or, like, I would start, like, a short story, or I would start like the beginnings of a novel or something like that but then I would never finish it and that's always been my thing like I'll start something and I have this great idea and then when I get to do it I just am immediately frozen with anxiety and security um, I'm thinking about other people and how they're going to perceive it which was really difficult because it never allowed me to completely finish a product. So I would read stuff to people, or, like, I would read aloud what I was writing, or I'd give it to people to read it, and they're like, this was really good, but I'm like, I never believed them. So I never finished. It's also really interesting. I don't know if, I don't know if this thought tracks, but it's just like, um, also, if, if it's true that you are writing about your experience, then in, in, in some way you are, oh, hopefully, um, you get to the point where your character is kind of where they are, because you don't have a resolution in your current life story, right. so you can't write. You don't know what to write next. And then, like you said, you would share it with people, and that feels like you're sharing, like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Right. This, is, this is my life. This is what I want to be. Right. And it's vulnerable. And It is. So that, that's the connection that I made with that. I was just no, like, I in, feel like that's a interesting it, idea. It's a very vulnerable place to be. And it's very interesting, too. I've realized as I've gotten older, if I have an idea for something, like, if I get too pumped on it. So going back to Fallout Boy, this is super goofy. So there's a book series. Let's just keep coming back to We're going to continue coming back to Fallout Boy. Um, they had, there's a book series called 33 and a Third. And it's these incredibly cohesive takes on these classic albums. So, like, Appetite for Destruction, uh-huh. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Like, of course, I'm using Guns N' Roses. But, like, there's just tons of these, like, like Thelonious Monk, like you have all these like jazz musicians, like folk musicians, like Elvis Presley, like it's these rock writers and they take this album and they completely deconstruct the entire process of recording it, which is incredible. So they talk to sound engineers, they talk to mixers, they talk to all these people who worked on this record and they put it together in a comprehensive book and they're just, it's like, it's small, like they're probably like, no, they're a little bit bigger than a cassette tape, like a little bit taller. They differentiate in thickness depending on who's writing it. Like the Use Your Illusion ones are really, for Guns N' Roses, are really thin. And the guy who writes it is like, he clearly doesn't really like Guns N' Roses, but he got told to write this book. <laughs> he did um, a short straw. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't really, like he just didn't have any kind of enthusiasm. But I wanted to write one for Fall Out Boy for a really long time. Like, mm-hmm. take this to your grave from under the cork tree. Like, just really go deep into that whole process because I really also like even though I was writing a lot of fiction I really enjoy writing non-fiction um, and I feel like that would have been really cool so I had lots of ideas and I wanted to write pitches and see if I could do it but I just never did it and so when I would tell people these ideas it felt like this, the wind got taken out of my sails not because they weren't encouraging but because I had to let the cat out of the bag before I could even get started you got kind of the um validation for just having the idea right 
because you told somebody. Well, yeah, and, like, you're just, like, you just get too excited. And so sometimes I feel like, same with grad school, like, I was telling a few people that I had applied, but I didn't tell a lot because I didn't want to over-exceed my own expectations because mm-hmm. I wanted to give myself a limit um, instead of jumping the gun too fast. That makes sense. But... Um, but with the writing, like, I would, like, say an idea. I'm like, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then when it would come down to it, I never followed through. Mm-hmm. So I've come to realize as I've gotten older, it's like, the ideas that I want to do, I should keep closer to my chest and maybe let one or two people know, but not to let everyone know. So, like, I would still, my sister works in publishing now. So I would be like, hey, Anna, like, you want to help me out? Like, I got this idea. How should I pitch this idea? Like, if I still wanted to do that follow-up with 33 and a third thing, like, I guarantee they'd be super into that. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to talk to, like, all those, like, old heads who were, like, O'Keefe, all those guys who worked on Take This to Your Grave. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. There's I would... also really cool videos of the band even talking about some of the shit. Yeah. So, like, there's a, like, there's, I just think of um, My Heart Will Always Be the B-Side of Your Tongue when they're talking about recording yeah. Cork Tree. Like, the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, because it was right after that record came out, and then this was, like, their major label signing. Like, they were talking about recording it and, like, the studio time and all sorts of stuff. But I think being able to, like, really pick apart... Yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Would, like, And that's the thing that I would really like to do. Well, because also, just being a fan, I know, like, there is, like, such a narrative created by their their navigation through their... Like discography, right? Like, uh, what is it like the the grittiness? Then like the kind of sophomore thing where like they go up, they get big, and then there's high expectations, but they go a different way, right? And then there's low expectations, and they are amazing. Yeah. Then they get overworked, come back down. Then they have this great comeback party. Yeah. And then things are going to continue it, but it's like they played the comeback party really well. Whereas the next one, I'm playing narrative. I know you want to talk more about like this actual composition of songs. But no. But then, uh, then mania being um, this idea of just like this is who we are now. It's funny. It's not even so much who they are now. If I'm gonna really dissect it like that, it's more just. Uh, yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think I know the last. No, no, no. I think it's more like this is a transformation. Like this is who we are because of what is music now. Oh, like they, I think they adapted. It's a much more adaptive state, and it's, Pete is number one dude to like do stuff like that. You think so? Totally. Like him, including like Jay Z on Infinity on High, like the opening lines to. Um, yeah, thank you. I was like, wow, I cannot believe I just. Bra- I said I almost called it Car Crash Hearts, and I was like, wow, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Dedicated to the album. Dedicated to all the fans or all the people People said who couldn't make it. it. Uh, The fans that kept us down, everybody came around. Welcome. Welcome. Oh my gosh. No, don't even get me started. Every time they open with that show, like that show with that, it's stupid. That's the the only uh, record that I. Because I only heard like uh, the same scene, and I think they had one other single at the time. But I bought the, I bought it, and I, I, I drove. Literally, this is I drove to Walmart to buy the buy the album. Then I walked to my car, put the CD in my thing, and drove home, and then drove around and sat in my car and listened to more. But I remember putting it on and hearing Jay Z. 
And that was like no. a moment. That no, was a moment. That's the exact same. I like I was in community college and I went to the Plan Nine in Williamsburg before I worked there. And mm-hmm. I went and I bought it. I opened it up, put it in my car. Jay Z opens. I'm drive I remember driving, like I'm pulling out and I'm driving back home. Um and they're like, welcome, it's here. And then the guitars come in. I was like, I like slapped the roof of my car. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? It was nuts. That was a, like a huge revelatory record. Oh my gosh. Yo, that record was stupid. Yeah. I was, it was, a uh, that was 2007. So I was like my freshman year of college, like I was community college or whatever. I was like, holy shit. I saw them so many times in that tour, man. Oh, it was so good. They played I, Patron Saints of Liars and Fakes live on that tour, dude. That's a deep cut. It's a deep that's cut. That's a deep. Sorry, that's the last. That's the last the, track on their very first record. Oh my god! One of my favorites. I still, I still count eating out with your girlfriend as their first record. I know they, they don't take that, but I do. No, they don't. It's not on anywhere either because nope. they don't. I don't think I don't think they have the rights to it. Really? It's fine. I mean, like, you know, I really do want to go back and listen to those now, but like, we have growing up, so like, it's fine. It's true. I think um, Growing Up is very good. I also like um, Parker Lewis Can't Lose is very good. I'll say that short fast lab. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't, sorry, don't. guys. This is a Fall Out Boy podcast. Hi. Welcome to Take This to Your Grave. Featuring Jonathan Samantha. <laughs> just, I w- those, those are Shaw Patrick's, and they loved it. It was so good. It was so great. My boy. We, we didn't get that until Soul Funk. No, we didn't. And that like that was pretty amazing. Oh, like, my gosh. I think I talked about how inspirational that record was. Okay, so yeah, okay, so, fine, so fine. Let, 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 let's transition, but we'll stay a little bit on it. Okay. Um, so writing uh, now, I know you're doing improv, but I'm sure there's stuff you have to cover. But like, okay, so one of the things that has always made Fall Out Boy really good, I, I think, is mm-hmm. the lyrics. Yes. Um, they've inspired the way I write. I want to hear about like whether it's funny to write or whatever. But like, how has the thing we've been talking about, like the thing this we whole could time. literally we could, we could do, talk hours. We about. could do a full pod, like full could, two or three podcasts on. We could probably create a whole series. I think. I think if we space it out, we could. For oh sure. yeah, track uh, by track, it would be. We could do a track by track. Oh right? my god! Don't even. That's <laughs> we'll like. Just do it for fun. <laughs> I think Adam Scott and what's his face from Comedy Bang Bang do one about REM, so we could do it. I mean, I know some friends who do one on Steely Dan. Oh, my God. I saw Steely Dan in Coachella, and Mayor Hawthorne was standing directly in front of me, who's, like, a, this, like, R&B guy. He's um, watching. That's cool. Yeah, he was standing in front of us watching Steely Dan, and I watched him watch them. And I was like, there's so much influence from Steely Dan that I'm watching in this man right now, who I've never seen perform live, but I love his records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but anyway, cool. side note. So, lyrically, I think... It, it doesn't have to be lyrics. No, 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 no. Like, the music itself inspired so much. Like, I found a lot of times listening to their records and it inspiring a certain mood. Like, uh, okay. Well, so, I mean, they, they do have moods. I mean, and I feel like this is true of any artist. Right. No, it's funny, too, because, like, especially with Spotify, like, having that, like, at your fingertips. Like, when I was writing, like, my story in high school, like, you had I had... a CD had, and the CD player. Yeah, a CD and the CD player, so you listen to the 12 or 13 tracks Usually all the way. in a row, maybe sometimes on shuffle. Yeah, sometimes... I didn't do shuffle so much. I, I was sometimes. always, like, I was always, like, a con- like, continuity person, like, one track right after another, unless I didn't like a specific song, then I would skip it, but I rarely skipped songs. Especially on these ones. Yes. There was a couple, like... I'm not in the mood for the song right now. Yeah, like, I think... I'm feeling angsty. I don't want to listen to this upbeat song. Right. 
or like I'm gonna listen to the really sad min tempo song again off of Infinity yeah, on High like two or three times like because golden it's a no not golden um Afterlife of the Party That's for some one. reason like it's Patrick's vocals on that okay sorry like, did you see the golden live version where they faithful band. I did, and I saw, well, I saw them play Golden solo, like, just Patrick on the piano, like, on the Infinity Tour. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. It, it's a slow song. I'm saying they got the full band, like, playing, like, like, like it's a rock song. I don't think they ever did it. No, they did a lot. They just recorded. When? It's re- I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, yeah, do that. If anyone else wants to see it, just email the producer's cast at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm sure a bunch of people are diving They're like, wow, thank you so much. This, Thanks like, so Fall Out Boy podcast. Okay, anyway, continue, continue. So, lyrically... I really liked how Pete wrote stuff. But in terms of influencing my writing style, it never really did. Which really? Is, no. I think it was more melodically, I think, like, musically. Which I think is why I find such a kindredship to Patrick. Like, uh-huh. I've always kind of felt, like, I like the way he writes music and I like the way how he interprets, like, I like how he creates the phrasing with Pete's lyrics. Like, his lyrics can be read one way or another, like, short, like, straightforward, whatever. But the but way the he way says that, that phrase is how you, you perceive it. The way that Patrick takes that and makes it into music is just, like, the most amazing thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, like, I would really, like, the lyrics themselves would resonate with me, but the music itself, I think, influenced more of my own creativity than the actual lyrics did. If that makes any sense, like I'm thinking of uh, Wham's when I think of that, like with this, me, the way he presented it with like the way he sang it and like the the sound yeah. to me that's like a, that's like a it, it's like taking the writing. It's like this can be anything. This can be genre or, or filter or any angle you want to take. Like he takes some really cool ones. Yeah, you know you're saying and so like yeah. with a story or something you're writing, it's like. I, I should look at this a different way. I'm looking at this from, like, this, but, like, let's put this over here so I can look at it from this lens instead. Right. And, like, I another thing that I got really into, um, I really liked photography. So originally when I tried to go to go. school, um, when I applied for school, I wanted to go to do, be a cinematographer. So, like, I wanted to make movies. Mm. And I had a 35mm, and I liked taking pictures, yeah, and I was I mean. very, like, you know, focally, like, I can see how a scene is set up and I was like oh this would look really good and as it pans through and does all this stuff but I was shit I was so self-conscious I wouldn't say I was shit I was so self-conscious and comparing myself to my mom's art that I knew I had to take studio classes and I just felt like you couldn't just create I, no and not, not like and that was the thing too like creating something out of nothing whereas like if I have a shot that's already pre-existing and all I happen to be is I'm just there to capture the moment and so originally like I wanted to do cinematography and make movies and, like, short films and stuff like that. And that's where the writing kind of, like, met. I wanted to write my own stories, shoot them, and make the music for it. So I wanted to, like, do something like that. I always wanted to perform, too, like, as a kid. That was something I never had the opportunity to do. But they all kind of intrinsically are linked together. So even yesterday I was walking through the fan and I was listening to the new Blood Orange, like, mixtape that came out Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of all, like, the songs aren't, like, they're full ideas, but some of them bleed easier into other songs. But just the music itself, I was like, holy shit. Like, it's just, like, even, like, the lyrics were great, too, but just the music, the melody, the counter melodies, like, how they've mixed and made everything into each other with just, like, walking through BCU, like... It just is so, like, at that time, at, like, 7 o'clock at night with the lighting and just, like, 
it's just so picturesque and so beautiful and just like seeing random strangers walking coming going like everyday life kind of thing like I really find so much beauty in all of that and to see something like backtracked with really cool synthesizer and like drum beats or this idea that kind of lends its way to just like a different syncopated rhythm of life with this and so it's so music has always been like that for me whether Mm -hmm. I write whether I want to take photograph or I want to make something like music has always intrinsically and just been so interwoven with everything that I want to do that it's hard to separate one from the other it's hard to make a metaphor out of it yeah because they to me they just blend so well like it's part of it right helps make the project right so same with writing or film or anything so it's I've always felt that way like I would listen to when I was in high school I had a CD like Walkman before I had an iPod and so I'd walk around with like the CD and I would just take pictures I'd have to lay the CD player down like because the auto the anti-skip didn't always work so, so I had to like you couldn't angle it no so I had to lay I had to like put it down on the ground to like take pictures on my 35 millimeter that I like used to wear around like my neck and like it was like it was always just like a whole thing and it's funny now because I've never been like properly asked about all that it's, it was always just something that they they just went like this they just fit like like links together I don't know it's hard to separate one from the other. Like, you can't, to mm-hmm. me. Like, you can, but it doesn't always make the art as complete, in my idea, at least. Okay, so... I know, sorry, it got really deep. My bad. Oh, no, I mean... I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they want... They either love it or they want us to talk about Fallout or more. You guys really want to hear me talk about Patrick Stump being my soulmate. I understand. We have barely scratched the surface. It's true. On that topic. Oh, yeah. No, it's like paint uh, chip yeah. off of a wall. Yeah. I got, I got like, we got like one or two deep cut ruddies right there. We can totally do it. I'm telling you, you're going to love the way Patrick's dressed in that video. Uh-huh. Like, that, that era, you just, oh my gosh. I'm about I it. I also feel very strongly to this man because of how much we both sweat. Anybody who knows Sweaty me, little man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a sweaty little dude. I'm the exact same. I would look the same. You listen like Beyonce does in a concert. Seen it, like, in your neck. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes, your airbrush crew got you good. That's why I bike to the shows. I'm like, let me go first. Let me get on stage first so I can keep the glow. I need to You're keep like, this. Come on. I look better when I'm sheeny. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, doing, like, jumping jacks in the alley, like, waiting for the show to start. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. If I smell bad, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I was in the alley and exercising. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. Um, okay. Palette cleanser question. Yes. First creative moment. I feel bad for not asking Joe these again. Oh, no. Okay. I think my first creative moment... I just want to say that publicly. Sorry, Joe. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I think my first creative moment... I used to do, um, like, little plays for my parents and stuff like that with our friends. And so we would sit and we would go up in our, like, bonus room or whatever, which was, like, the playroom in our house when we lived in Williamsburg... And we would go up there, and I'd be like, okay, well, let's do this performance. And there'd be, like, me and my sister and, like, three or four other neighborhood kids that would come over and hang out with us. And so while we were all hanging out, um, 
we uh, we would go over a general loose idea for a play, and then we would um, perform it in the living room of my house, like in, on the fireplace with my dad. Oh, you had um, a backdrop and a stage. Yes, it was a very basic backdrop and stage. So we would no, take that's, that's amazing. we would take turns <laughs> like doing our little things, and um, so that may have been that may have been it. But there have been, like, other moments. I also have to say that I, one of my fondest memories is uh, when I was learning saxophone in fourth grade. I did. Uh, I brought my sax into my fourth grade class for show and tell. Oh. I played a jazzy version of Mary Had a Little Lamb, brought down the house. It's literally, like, eight bars. Like, I was, I was freaking it. I was like, Lisa Simpson would be so proud of me right now. Samantha Simpson. I wanted. We had a new girl in the class at one point. This is anecdotally similar, like a part of this like universe in this story. But I was like, I hope it's Lisa Simpson. Clearly, it was never going to be a cartoon girl with yellow hair. But I wanted it to be real bad. Is there a, are you going to get a tattoo of Lisa Simpson's saxophone? I don't know. That's a good idea. That's a good one. If anything, I don't even. There's so many. I know you. You started telling me your list, and I was like, oh, it, there's a lot. There's probably like at least ten. How long did you do? How long did you do those plays for? Fifteen twenty minutes. They were never no, long. No, sorry. Like how, how long? Did, like were oh, you, how long uh, did we do it? Probably like I remember doing one with my sister when I was like in first grade, and she was in pre K. And then as we got older, I was the oldest kid on my block, and it was only by like I think the youngest kid. I was eight when he was born. Now he's. 22 maybe mm-hmm. which is crazy to think and he's at VMI but um, my next door neighbors there was three kids and so we would hang out with them and then I had some other friends from down the block and my sister had friends so we probably did them until I was like maybe 13 like maybe 14 not so much anymore but we would like pretend like play pretend and like do performances and stuff like that it would be on like instead of being in the living room it would be on like the trampoline in the backyard or something like that it would or just be for the people who were playing in it yeah, it was, like, performative I know, I know for everybody. What, I know what being a kid is. Yeah, you were performing for them, and, like, sometimes it would be for parents or, like, family friends. Like, I used to do a lot of stuff with Beanie Babies, too. I'm oh, sure. I had a, my favorite Beanie Baby was a monkey, and his name is Moochie, and he was in a band called The Smashing Bananas. <laughs> and That's adorable. he was the lead singer. And his best friend was a macaroni penguin named Penguin. And Penguin played bass in Smashing Bananas. And my sister had Beanie Babies that played in, like, different parts of the band. It was a penguin that was also a macaroni, you said? It was the macaroni penguins with, the, like, the little, like, fuzzy oh, hairs. So his I, name was Penguin. I was that was like a little elbow. elbow that was the breed. No, that's penguin. way cuter. That would be way, way cuter. Like a half penguin. Like a penguin half. in a noodle costume. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I can't believe my mom. I never asked my mom to do that. Man, I'm so mad about that. But anyway, <laughs> we made up songs, and so we would have them perform the songs. One of them was a version of a Backstreet Boys song. I love it already. Uh, it was called Don't... Like, it was stolen from Don't Want You Back. It was off of Black and Blue. Any for all the Backstreet Boys fans out there. And that's right. <laughs> my first concert was Backstreet Boys. Shut up. I'm so mad. In Vegas. God damn it. Yep. My mom won tickets. They played in D.C. on Friday, and I'm really mad I missed that. I've I never seen I don't know them. if I want to see that. I'd see it in sync now. 
I would see Backstreet Boys because I like think I would still probably like fangirl like to an extent if I saw Nick Carter in person, which makes me like a white man's whore. But like you know whatever it, it is, what it is. <laughs> you said it, not me. I know. I'm gonna admit it. <laughs> it was like Nick Carter, Leonardo DiCaprio, and like a handful other of those like white, uh, like blonde hair, blue eyed like white boys from like the late '90s that with Jonathan hair. Taylor Thomas with hair that like was a lot longer than mine. It was like come down. Yeah, it was like the the haircut. That came to their cheekbones and uh-huh. it was parted directly in the center. Oh. And if they didn't like take care of it, it got in their eyes a little bit. Yeah, and they had to like, like shake their like, head. It was like crossing. It was just like, oh no, what's happening? My hair. Oh, like I can't see. It's, it's the sweat is curling oh, it around my eyes. I have to like break it open. My name's Nick. Uh, and then the other song that I had was a song about chicken wings that my sister and I wrote. Oh, I love it already. Yeah, it was called Chicken Wings Are the One for Me. Oh, my Ch- God. Chicken Wings, oh, yeah. That was the entire song. Do you, do you know the, do you, the, are those the lyrics? Those were the lyrics. Chicken, chicken wings are the one for me. Chicken wings, oh, yeah. Like, so when my mom would make chicken wings, she would be like, oh, you guys want to sing the chicken wings song? I'd bring out the Beanie Babies. Song. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So that was like a so thing. So they had a bassist and a guitar. A bassist, singer. guitarist, and then they had... Uh, Wait, the, who, the guitarist was the... Penguin. Marquee. The Penguin was the bassist, I thought. Peng, you're right, you're right. The, the guitarist was the Squirrel Beanie Baby. Okay. What name? I think I named her Sandy, if I'm being honest. That's okay. Like, this was probably... Heavily influenced by the times. Yeah, well, Spongebob came out, like, my fifth grade year, so this is, like, 98. There's no, there's, there's no shame in that. Yeah, so... That um, is No, I love Spongebob, so I don't care. Yeah, um, so she played she played guitar, <laughs> and the guitar was not, like, a play guitar. It was, like, a Barbie, like... There's, like, decorative Barbies or, like, the special Barbies that have, like, the stands that you stick them on. So they're not meant to be played with. They're meant to be looked at. And so it was the stand for one of the Barbies. So she was holding it like a guitar. And then my sister had um, a Beanie Baby, two Beanie Babies, a crab and a gorilla. And they were the drums. So the gorilla was the drummer and the crab was the drum set. Oh, my God. So that was... so (laughs) fucking amazing. So, yeah, they would play concerts for their other friends. Ow! Yeah, and he well, he would hit his legs. It was never his like body. It was his like claws so he was and just legs. Like, this is fine. Yeah, he just laid there. The crab didn't do anything. He just laid there, and like my sister would move the arms of the beanie baby, and he would so hit you guys the crab were, like, legs. So I'm picturing one hand on like the penguin. Yeah. Playing bass, like one hand on the lead singer for you. Yeah. And then your sister, one hand on the monkey. Yeah. Tapping the legs. Yep. And one hand on the squirrel, just like, but mostly focusing over here. So like. The squirrel obviously She's didn't just get holding the Barbie stand. didn't get top billing, so it's more no. like I'm focused over here right now, and like if I remember to move this, I will. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and, and was, I feel like you had to switch between. It was like who's singing, like mostly singing, and like bass solo. <laughs> that's more or less how it went. I was a really nerdy kid. I played with like because I, I literally I feel oh, like man. I feel like that's kindred in our own way because I'm just like I knew exactly what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I can picture it. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad. I was like a. I I was a big kid and a lot of people like they're like oh you're so like you're just so silly and fun I'm like I just never grew up like I mean I did like I took on adult responsibilities but my whole thing was I just have too much fun doing like just silly fun shit like there's no yeah. point in like throwing it away to fit into somebody's perception of like adulthood what's being an adult scooters are back in session now like, people can rent scooters, and they ride around the city, and people look so happy doing it. It's an adult way to ride a scooter. It is. It I is. have a Razor scooter in the trunk of my car. Oh, I'm so jealous. I th- there was one, I went to Fantastic Thrift, and there was one outside, and I'm like, hang on, I have to do some bunny hops. And I grabbed it and started riding around on it. 
So if you ever want to ride scooters, oh I God. bought it for fifteen dollars at Diversity. I'm not joking. I also have jump ropes in my car and a kite. I love, oh I have, my God! I basically, I mean, I nannied for a long time and I like babysit and work with kids. But like, I'm not joking. You want to play? I'll play. I'll play like it's after school special in elementary school. Like, it's gonna call you like. Samantha, I'm at the park. Can you bring your kite by us? Can you come by so we can go play scooter time? <laughs> we want to play scooter time, but, but Tyson didn't bring his. Can you can you, bring can you come over and bring yours? Can you bring, can you bring your scooter? Can, can you bring it? Do you have badminton set, too? Can you bring your frisbee? Can you bring your sidewalk chalk? Like, I brought can sidewalk. No, can Nolan come out and play, too? Does he want to play scooters? Does Nolan want to come over? I just remember coming over to people's houses and, like, knocking on doors. Does so and so want to play? Oh my god, the the the, the yeah, and then calling also. Yeah. Is, is so is, is so and so there? I want to use names, but I thought like I said so and so. One uh one of my very good friends, it was Grace, my friend Grace, and she lived in a house in my neighborhood. And the first time I learned, I did not know how to rollerblade. So my mom bought me rollerblades in third grade because we had the same third grade class. So it was her and her twin sister in my same class. Um, and so I got them and I rollerbladed. It wasn't that far. It's probably like less than half a mile like sure. from my house to her house i had elbow pads knee pads wrist uh, guards helmets on never rollerbladed ate shit the whole way there but i was determined to rollerblade over to grace's house and then i eventually got better but i fell like 15 to 20 times on that like very short ride and then like my mom was like smithy you need to come home she like called grace's house and i was like can you come get me? I don't want to rollerblade back. She's like, you got all the way over there. You can get home. Oh, no. <laughs> so I did, like, but it's it was a rough, it was a rough go and things. I remember, roll, I love rollerblades. I want to rollerblades. Do you have rollerblades in your car? No. That's. I need to, I need to do I'm that. size 10 and a half. If I find some, I got you. Hell yeah. I mean, I buy all that shit thrifted. So. Yeah. I got she you. She found a not gross pair. Which, you know, there's spiders and decades of, like, filth living in those things. So we'll see what we can do. A lot of times I feel like you could probably, like, throw those, like, insoles into, like, a laundry. Wear two pairs of socks. Yep. Yeah, wear two pairs of socks. Hopefully you don't get bit by a brown recluse or something. All right, that's enough. <laughs> I have to live here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Too real, Samantha. <laughs> quiet down, woman. It's okay. No, but uh, I remember... <laughs> Completely unrelated, but only related by rollerblades. I remember one time I rode my rollerblades to school and forgot to bring shoes. <laughs> so I had to go back home. How far away did you live from your school? Like half a mile. Oh, that's not that bad. But same for you. But yeah, no, but like, that's a lot. Also, imagine feeling cool going there and then having to go back. Like, why is he going home? Why is Jonathan going back home? He's, that's the wrong way. <laughs> He's an idiot. <laughs> that reminds me... Sorry, this is completely unrelated. I literally just did that. No, so the one one and only time I skipped class, I was, it was a senior year of high school. Oh, that is unrelated. Yeah, no, but this reminded me because I left, and, like, people were like, why is he leaving? I was in my advanced world lit class, which is, like, senior year English. My, you waited until senior year to skip a class? Yeah. I was, like, good at two shoes, like... I'm trying to think if I did that. I think I did that, too, actually. I, it was, I was more, in a like... School like there was I didn't really do it either, and like I didn't have a car until like March my senior year of high school. Like I didn't drive. My friends basically coerced me and told me that if I didn't get my driver's license or my learner's permit by the end of May, I was going to never get my license, or I wasn't going to get, be able to get my license till I was like 21. So they scared me into doing it. Um, so I didn't get my 
car until like my senior year. But anyway, um, my literature professor, like teacher, she had shingles. And so we were like, me and these two other girls had class together, the same class. And they were like, if she's not there, we're going to skip and we're going to go to Target. And so we're like, oh, she's not here. Like we like peeked in, saw as a sub and we like dipped. So they could leave because they were 18, I think, but I was still 17. So they were allowed to leave. Like if you were 18, you could sign yourself out. But I wasn't, so we just left. We just walked out. And we ended up going to the Starbucks nearby, and then we went to Target. And as we were driving across the street from the Starbucks after we had sat outside for like half an hour, I, know this is going. I hear this honking, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm sitting in the backseat of my friend's car, and I turn around, and it's my mom in her minivan directly behind us, and our dog riding shotgun. And my mom calls me, she's like, Samantha, are you supposed to be at school? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, we had a subs in our last class, so we decided to skip. She's like, all right, well, you're going to have to tell your father if something comes up with this. And I was like, okay. So, like, we went to Target 30 minutes later. My friends were, like, looking at hair dye. My mom calls me again. She's like, my van died. Can you guys come jump my car? My dad worked all the way in Newport News, which is a half an hour away. But still, like, you have to drive on 64 and, like, all that traffic. So instead of calling my dad, she called me, and we had to jump her car. And, like, she went home, and she was like, okay, you don't have to tell your dad if you don't need to. (laughs) But then at a certain point, she told him that her car died. And he was like, well, how'd you get the jump? And she was like, well. I was like, I skipped but that oh, was the one and, that was the one and only my dad wasn't really the disciplinarian my mom was so like it wasn't that big of a deal he's like Samantha you can't do that I don't think Bill Mers would care now he doesn't give a shit <laughs> I, he saw my tattoo today and he was completely like nonplussed he was like he was like oh hey how's it going and then he was like well you got a tattoo and I was like oh yeah sorry I didn't tell you and he was like let me see it he was like okay and he was like okay. I, have, I have some stuff for you like didn't care. It was great. I was like, wow, that's the most, like, on-brand reaction from my father I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it's like, cool. Great. Here for it. Dads are cool. Sometimes. He's he's cool now. Like, when I was growing up, I didn't think he was cool, but he's cool. No. They're not supposed to be cool at that time. No. Never. That's how it goes. (laughs) So, how are you liking improv? I love it. You're in 201 right now. I'm in 201 with Kimberly Nario and our very lovely friend, Anthony. Who? Anthony, your, like, best friend. I don't know. Who are you talking about? Um, He's this really tall dude. He's got, like, hair, and he's got a beard. He wears maroon a lot. Oh, that guy. That guy, yeah. The maroon guy. The maroon guy. um, He's my TA. It's been good. I love I love doing it because I've like I was saying earlier I've always wanted to perform mm-hmm. like in some capacity so like during theater productions and drama like I always wanted to do it but I never did it because I was terrified and all the popular kids and it was a lot of self esteem issues but then um, the beginning of this year uh, well Nolan Nolan does improv so Nolan started doing improv last spring I think his I think his one on one showcase was probably. Right before Second Best? Around the time I met you. It was, like, right before that, I think. Yes. Because um, ITA is 301. Yeah. So I remember that was the last session of the year. Yeah. So um, he started taking it, and I actually... He had wanted to take it, and I was trying to encourage him. 
and he was like said some goofy like preconceived ideas of like well if you're not funny you can't do improv and blah 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 and just like just really like warped backwards like thinking so I um messaged Donna Steele because she was at the theater she taught classes she did all this stuff and so I was like I need some help giving my partner some advice like on how to do improv because he wants to do it and he's not listening to me so that kind of like kick-started us into the whole community um we started going to more shows he got more into it and then when I applied to grad school I was like you know I've always wanted to do it like what's the risk of me trying and failing or whatever so I applied to grad school I didn't have the money to take the class so I signed up for the internship. And so I got accepted into the internship program. And then like a week later, I got into grad school. So it was like everything kind of fell into place very quickly. And um, I took 101 with Ben Bennell and uh, Nicole Nielsen as my TA. And it was amazing. Like, one, of the, one, one of the best showcases I've ever seen. It was That was a really fun thing. Like I was Start nerd- show. I, I, told, I told you that. I was going to say those words. I told you I was going to I, I didn't know you were going to like tell everybody that. I knew that mm-hmm. you told me that, but... And I appreciate it. I'm very, I'm very bad at compliments. I'm sorry. I just had so much fun. Like, it was one of those, like, I remember there's a couple classes in 101 where the emotion class was really difficult for me because I think at a certain point, to be seen as socially acceptable, you have to kind of bury how you really feel about something, working in a school, working in retail, being with people, and unless, like, they're people that you see on an intimate level, like, partners or, like, really close friends or family members, you have a hard time, like, showing how you're really feeling and I, I I carry a lot of people's burdens and emotions on me anyway so I don't necessarily always process how I'm feeling about a situation until I'm at a breaking point so that class was really difficult for me I remember doing that and I remember standing on stage and Ben kept calling me forward to do an emotion or to have like a self-contained emotional statement and I just remember being on the verge of tears because I literally was so confounded with this idea of trying to emote something that I wasn't certain how to emote because I'm so used to like yeah not doing it and that was a really difficult class like I hated that and this past Sunday I actually felt like I had a really hard class too um we were so it's obviously 201 is character and emotion so the week before I felt like I had a great class I was like man I'm on top of it like this is great I just felt very like energetic I felt like I was having a really good time and like really playing off my scene partners and this past week I think I was just kind of in a funky headspace because I've been working a lot and just burnt the hell out like I haven't had time to do kind of my own thing so coming in when you're feeling burnt out like I wanted to be in the class because I like being around Kimberly and Anthony and all the people on my 201 like I'm taking 201 with one of my best friends who I worked with for like six years so like it's nice to be able to play with him in that space and we're both growing um but I was just like so mentally exhausted I was like I don't know how I'm gonna properly feel this emotion without feeling like I'm forcing it so that was like it was really hard like that's one of the few things that I was having a hard time doing and then there was a lot of like we're doing like saying something about your scene partner like a self-contained emotional statement and reactionary stuff and building relationships based off of that and it's at a certain point when you're learning all this stuff and it's coming at you and you want to absorb it as best as you can you feel like it's just almost so much that you don't know how to process and follow all the rules because you're still learning the rules and you're trying to learn how to play the game 
and it's so overwhelming. It's like trying to play fast Jenga. You're like trying to put, or like trying to build a house, basically. You're trying to get the walls to the house and the foundation ready, and but you're trying you to put the a room. pile of wood to keep Jenga-ing the house. Yeah, you're like, okay, to, well, to this is fucking falling through. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it was. You're just like, you're trying to put it together and get it as best as you can, like a quick form, like foundation, quick, like house, and then someone pokes through the fucking roof because someone else obviously like the whole thing is like improv is like you're not supposed to it's not supposed to be perfect you're supposed to have fun you're supposed to play off of your scene partners those take risks to make big choices yeah and so like there's a couple moments where like this past week we were given the task to an exercise to lose like everyone secret task was to lose an argument so it's trying to how to navigate conflict so nick and i were in a scene and nick was making himself really big and barrel chested and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm trying to be intimidating. And so I was like, oh, this is something you're not normally doing. And so I was like, should I get smaller? Should I, like, help you? So instead of, like, losing an actual verbal argument, I was losing by making myself smaller. And so he started doing it, too. So we were body matching and to the point where I was laying flat on my back on the floor. And then he had, like, he was still, like, trying to do this, like, puffed-up bird chest thing, but he had stuck his forehead onto the floor, and he couldn't get up. And so I was like, wait, so, like, are you good? Do you need help? He's like, no. So, like, we both lost in a very unusual way, but it was, like, physically, we had lowered ourselves instead of, like, it was just a... Someone losing an argument. Instead of, like, verbally losing an argument, we just kind of made ourselves, like, smaller. Like, it was... your character lose yeah like by physically diminishing ourselves to like the lowest level like i am scum of the earth basically like i'm lower than dirt like that's kind of where my mentality went and he played with it that way so like that was the one scene that i did in class that i thought was kind of funny i was like oh that was interesting like i just i also have no problem with like throwing myself onto the ground be careful with that though oh i've i've done that a handful of times and i've gotten some pretty unusual bruises i'm like i don't know where i got that from but, I mean, I think of a, the one-on-one showcase. Like, I perched myself on the back of that chair during that three rooms, like, scene. What and I was choice. terrified that I was going to fall backwards. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep perching here like I'm in the edge of a hot tub and just go with it. Like, So that was one of the few things. I'm like, I'm just going to take a big choice and big risk and see what happens. So me laying myself prostrate was, like, on the floor was as low as I could get. Like, I couldn't think of anything else. So... It's been really fun. Like, it's nice to play with people. I've always thought I was a pretty goofy person, but it's nice to be able to play off of other people, like, Mm -hmm. see how weird they're willing to go. And sometimes, like, certain suggestions will inspire certain things. I'm like, wow, where the fuck did that come from? Like, some, because your perception is only so much. Like, but then you have other things to get thrown in. Like, Anthony will explain something, or Kimberly will explain something, like, oh, well, I'm going to do, you know, a scene about, like, I don't know. Their suggestions are so amazing. Like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know where the fuck they're thinking of it, but it's like just like common natural occurrences. And it doesn't have to be super wacky or super crazy. It just needs to be something, like a human experience, and then you can take something and go with it. But just the way that they come up with it. Granted, they're much more seasoned, and so are you, like, at doing it. So it's hard for me. Like, initiating scenes, difficult. Object work, difficult. It's like I've been going to a lot of ice cream places. Like <laughs> I was at an ice cream place the other day. I well, I, my first job was at, was at Cold Stone. Like, and so I was like mixing ice cream, and like sometimes I have to like check myself with my emotion. Like, what's my go-to emotion? I'm like, oh, annoyance, frustration, like false anger or whatever. What are you doing to him? 
him. He likes it. See how he comes back for more watch. I'll do, I'll do it again. What? If I did that, my cat would kill me. You just know how to, you just know how to play with your cat. Also, yeah, he is apparently shedding a lot. He's shedding a lot. Wearing a black shirt. This is a bad idea. You are goofing it real bad. I, um, no, I think that's... Um, I mean... So, my response in the in that realm is just like... It's funny because I still have different struggles with initiation where why well, I, I feel like it's it's more recently that I felt like I, I've gotten more comfortable with it just in the idea of like if I make a big choice like it's fine but I was always worried about stepping on like my scene partner's toes mm-hmm. or like making a choice that doesn't really honor the scene but oftentimes when you start a scene there's nothing to honor so right you're just starting blank and like allowed, you can build off yeah, of you're whatever. allowed to make a big weird choice and figure right. it out later right <clears throat> was something that I've gotten more comfortable with as a reason. But it's funny because, like, object work is something that I've, like, put a lot of work into. You're fucking good at it. <laughs> Thank you. Every time I watch you do it, I'm like, oh, my God, Jonathan. Like, I think there was the book club, and you were the, it was the alien one, and I think you were in a scene with Colt, and maybe, I think Gretchen was there, and then, I care, and Meredith, I think, was also there. Sounds right. And you were being a multi-armed alien stacking shelves, and you were just moving. I was just like, and you, but you would do your antennas, but then you were moving multiple appendages and like stacking sh- like shelves at a grocery store. I was like, this is some of the best object work I've literally ever fucking seen. Like, and you just created this illusion that you were this multi-armed alien, and you did it so well. Oh, it blew my mind. Like, I think I was in the tech booth with Noir. I was working, like, I was oh, training. Bless Noir. I was working that show. They were doing most of the like lighting work or whatever, but like I was learning and watching. It was nuts. Oh, you was, saw it from the back too. Oh I yeah, where I was facing. You were you were facing sideways. I, I was so on, you I were, was on the near side, kind of facing out, and then like to, to the audience. Yeah, so bit. you were. I got to see like the full view mm-hmm. of you doing the. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, it was I, um, incredible. Well, the, since I've, I've worked on it a lot with Gossip Badge, like ever since this run started, it's been like a big focus because we're doing mono scenes. You have to right. The space room, but no, but that's that's, that's something that I worked on, but it wasn't until like I put effort in and then um, I had more reps of failing and doing that. I, is he eating something? He is eating something. What are you doing, dude? Is it plastic? Yeah. A little butthole. You got a choke on Floyd. See, no, no, everyone on the podcast heard you almost fucking die. <laughs> What's he doing now? What are you doing, dude? Um, but yeah, so it's really, it, as I said, one of, the, one of the things, one of the perspectives I was really excited to get from you is somebody who um, is just starting this, like, improv journey that, I mean... I feel like Joe is a good reference, and I'm sure there's other episodes where it's like we reference those classes as points in our our life, and you're there now. Yeah. Like, oh man, my 201. Like, I left every single 201 class feeling like I was terrible. That was my worst class. I took it again after I took all the classes. So I was like, I need to, I need to revisit this shit. Yeah. And it helped a lot, but like, <clears throat> I mean, hearing you say like leaving, hearing you say I left this class feeling bad to me is like such a feeling I can relate to yeah. and it really does make me I feel like as the creators or artists or whatever you want to like define us as people who are listening like I feel like are all people who are creative types who can yeah. resonate with at least some idea of what we're saying right so like what is he oh, he's, he's got a toy now I guess that's okay <laughs> stop stop eating stuff he's bored 
Yeah, he is. He's like, damn. What? I'm doing a show. He's so fucking bored. He's so... <laughs> he's been all over the place. <laughs> he's um, such a brat. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so like... Um, to hear you, to hear you kind of going through that to me is like it it, it reestablishes this idea of I should really because I've been all about the idea of celebrate your successes. Mm-hmm. It's like um, if I do get asked like to give notes something like the first thing I say like don't let it be lost on you. We did like you made people laugh. You affected people. Like think about how many how many shows the layperson sees one a month. Yeah, maybe less. Yeah, like. Man, like if you if you got one laugh out of that person, like you frank you made them laugh and right. you, and you gave them an experience. So like, don't don't forget that first of all. Like, yeah. Let that inspire you. But also like, okay, so looking back on my journey, like going back, like holy fuck, it has been over like a year and a half since I took my two one class. That's a long time. It's like the first time, at least. The first time. Yeah. That was uh, twenty seventeen November. Jeez. I think was the showcase. That's crazy. Ours is in uh, August 18th, 8 p.m., mm-hmm. and then we have a, a guest we're signed up. Anthony and Kimberly signed us up for a lab or, like, a refinery or something like that. I'm like, it's oh, a lab. fun. You guys are thinking Ooh. the same lab as either me and Josh or me and Bo. Sweet. Lawrence, Kansas, or Ms. 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 Bowie. I got to make sure I'm off work. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about it. It's also, like... I feel like my one-on-one class, and I think that half the reason why I had so much fun, and I'm not, it's not that I'm not having fun now, it's an adjustment period, where you're still learning to trust the people that are in your class. Like, yeah, we're four weeks in. We just had our fourth class yet, like Sunday. So you're still learning certain people. So, like, my one-on-one class, it was, like, a really, like, we stripped down a lot of, like, stuff, and we were able to just play in this space. And I thought Ben and Nicole were, like, these incredible teachers who were really encouraging and offered really good tips when we did stuff, but our group meshed so well. Like, um, we had a small group. It was like, it was nine people, and then two people had to drop out, which I was really bummed about because both of them, both of these women were like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the group that we ended up performing our showcase with, like, it was seven of us, but it was so good. And I felt like, like, I could look at my scene partner, Chad. Like, Chad's in my 201 class, and Chad is amazing. Chad had an incredible class on Sunday. And I would be in a scene with him, and I knew I could trust him inherently. Like, whatever choice he could do, I could play off of it. Mm-hmm. There was just that, like, kinetic, like, that, like, intrinsic string that, like, connected the two of us. Similarly with Enzo, when I was doing, Enzo was in my th- two-on-one class, and he just had to drop because of his job, which I was really bummed about because I really like performing and playing with him. Um, but that scene in the hot tub, that was who my scene partner was with Enzo and just being able to like I was trying to make him laugh and he was making me laugh and like it was one of those like I caught myself like trying not to break the whole time but the relationship and the trust that I had with like that group to be as goofy or as weird as I wanted to and granted it's just games but like I took it to the next level like I was creating like characters and top of being in emotions and like I was taking risks, and I knew that if I did this stuff, I could trust them to continue playing and supporting me in that role. And I don't—I'm not saying that they, this new group doesn't. It's just an adjustment. Like you're used to playing with. You have the, to build that. Yeah. So like we, you know, we're trying to do that. And on Sunday, I was talking to one of my classmates um, uh, about it, 
And I was like, I feel like I had like a really difficult class. He was like, girl, the last two weeks I've had like some of the worst classes. I thought I was terrible. I was like, honestly, I didn't think that at all. Like we had him and I had had a scene together the week before where it was like object work and we were creating a relationship and everything. And we did one this past week where we were, we had to do names, create an, like say emotions, establish a relationship and say what the the thing that we were that, that just happened so we were twins who had mm-hmm. forgotten our birthday and so <laughs> we played off of this whole thing like and i was anxious and he was angry I love that and so sense. so we like played off on this thing and i wanted to be like i was like you did a really good job and he did a fortune teller thing that was really fun and i was like you're doing way better than you think you are like and it's funny too because you're realizing that everyone else is as in their head as you are. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very humanizing moment. So like, I'm super nervous about performing with them yet because I feel like I'm still building that level of trust with them because I'm not not that I'm uncertain about them, but like just trying to like find that right you know middle ground with them to be able to play with them in the space like the people i was in the class with and like nick nick and i've never performed together but we've known each other for six years so we know each other's kind of body language and how we can play off of something so it makes it easier but some of the newer people it's a little bit more difficult it's challenging so like that's you've only done them for eight eight ten hours right exactly so you're trying to establish like a firmer foundation with it so it's a little scary but it's also like reassuring that they also are terrified yeah. Well, I mean, everyone is. Shit. I mean, and then, like, you guys, I feel like you haven't even, I feel like there's always a stage where you feel like an imposter when you do this. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just because it's something new. Yeah, and I'm really, like, like nervous this week. Um, Kimberly writes, like, emails, and she tells us, like, hey, this is what we went over, which is good because it reminds you what we did, kind of gives you a refresher, gives you something to focus on, so, like, I need to focus more on, like, what I actually do when I pick up something, when I work with actual objects and stuff like that, and or how I feel about a certain situation as I'm navigating through the space um, or just anything like that. But she was like, oh, I'm going to be giving you personal emails, like, and, you know, like a personal kind of critique. And I'm like, well, fuck, like, I'm so nervous about that. Like, I've been checking my email, like, oh my religiously, because I'm like, yeah. I don't know what she's going to say. And I'm very uh, nervous because it's gonna be so good. Uh, it'll not, be fine, I'm sure. But I, I used to hate criticism, so I'm I'm taking it better now as a 31 year old. But you know, it's I, still so scary. I did that. Uh, we had a guest coach, and I asked them for notes. How'd that go? Really well. They were really good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, it was all things. I was like, what am I? What, am I, what the fuck do I need to work on? He's like, this, and I was like. Duh. There's a couple things that, like, I'm sure okay. I need to work on. Like, well, you, you're a, you need to just work on having fun and learning that piece. Yeah, no, and that's the thing too. Like, I think half the reason I was just burnt out, like, just from work and just being so busy. Like, at a certain okay. point, like, real life, it gets to be. Oh a my thing. gosh, it's exa- it's exhausting. But the nice thing is, like, I told myself even when grad school starts, like, I'm going to continue taking classes and probably interning for a little bit because, like, I'm going to need a way to escape from being like you know taught all this shit and like jammed down my throat like oh literary editing stuff about symbolism and poe poetry blah 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 like what you need to do for your thesis so i want to keep doing it because i think it's a fun outlet and i i'm not trying to sound arrogant or sound like boastful but i'd like to think i'm pretty good at it and i (laughs) it's not boastful someone agrees (laughs) 
but I it's really fun like I like I like doing accents. I like like having a fake reason to scream and throw myself in the ground. And I really want to find a reason to make you do accents on this podcast. Oh, that would be good. I can do a lot. I know it's 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 annoying <laughs> how good you are at it because I'm so bad at it. I have well, like three accents and then all just this. Well, it was a. Uh, Big Bosses on Saturday. Like, Jonathan Nelson came out and did that Australian oh accent. Jesus Christ. Listen to these episodes on this podcast. Holy shit. Oh, I need to. It was it was incredible. Like, I was geeking out. Like, he's, it was so he's funny. A wonder. But then, like, everyone else was trying to match the Australian accent throughout their, like, Colt's Australian accent was ridiculous. And it was so funny. I was like, God, this is so good. Like, and that's, like, them not doing it well made it funnier. And, like, yeah. but Jonathan's was so on point. It was Aye, so. Aye, nay. I love it. I love, I, love, I love trying it. I'm not good at it either. I'm like cold. He, I feel like, I, funny thing. So when I was a kid, I would do all these different voices. Like, I would do tons of them. So that was, I think, like, half the reason why I wanted to, like, perform and, like, do all that stuff. Because I knew I could be silly and do accents. And my out, the outgoing answering machine message on our landline when I was a kid was me in an Australian accent telling them that we weren't home. And no one ever left messages because they didn't know what was being said. It was clear that I was saying, like, I'll give you the message. It was like, good night, mates. You've called 253-1308. We're not home right now. We're at Kitchen Dingo. So please leave a message and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. And, like, no one ever, left, no one ever um, left messages. No one ever did. So my mom changed it. They occasionally would, like, but... They didn't. What a great like that's that that's the kind of thing that opens up like a great movie. It's just like, and then the message. Yeah, the little tiny Australian shepherd, like I'm Australian like shepherd. Old, like an old, <laughs> the shepherd guiding the messages. Yes, that's the, true. The, I am an Australian shepherd. I'm going to guide you into the mailbox of Le- this phone. Leave a this message. Home. I can't so, do it. It's okay. I will say you this. It's okay. It's okay. So I will I, say this. When you do, you can do Australian, you can do New Zealand, okay? So Australian, you have longer vowels, right? So it's like a longer vowel, it's like farther in the back. And then you do New Zealand, it's shorter, tinier, it's towards the front of the mouth. Front. Front. I don't yeah. know why. I always say, like, Mick, I think a ticket with Titi. You know how he talks, yeah. New Zealand, you know? Yeah. Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Brit, Jermaine. Like, it's Brit. all at the front. Whereas Australians, like, farther back. It's, like, way in the back. Farther back. Yeah, it's farther back. Longer vowels. Longer vowels. I, one time, convinced a guy. He was, like, blackout drunk at the beach. Oh, oh you convinced, for, like, you convinced for, the like, drunks? Yeah, it was easy. But, like, for, like, two hours, I didn't talk with anything without the accent. Like, I talked like this for, like, two solid hours. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I have an uncle. He, like, wrestles alligators. Like, you know, he lives in the epic. Like, all this epic. stuff. You can go drop bears, drop bears, drop out of trees. They mangle your face. All this, all this shit. <laughs> then I stopped talking in the accent, and he was like, where did it go? And I was like, uh, I now, thought you were um, drunk. Like, <laughs> now I'm British. That happened to be the same night that the Penguins won the Stanley Cup in 2009. Don't ask we, me why. We, we haven't even talked about our Pittsburgh fan rates. No, we don't have, like, hockey is a way deeper. That's a Fall Boy and hockey, and you haven't even scratched the surface for One Direction. This is the first time I've mentioned them on this podcast. I don't like One Direction. It's fine. It's fine. You, we have we like different things. It's cool. I know. I don't love hockey, but I love Pittsburgh sports. Yep. That's and, okay. And uh, I support the Penguins. I just don't. We made some dumb stuff in the off season, but that's another day. Don't even worry about that. 
I will draw the line at sports. No one cares about sports. No one cares, Sam. Who cares about hockey? Unless it's I, the Capitals. I said sports. I know. Okay, sorry. Sports. I'm not dissing hockey. It's true. Um, what's your go-to breakfast? Oh, man. That's, um, one, of my, that's, one, that's one of the best questions. That's a good question. Um, most days I have a half of a bagel with some veggie cream cheese. Half of everything bagel. I don't know why, but I, I don't I don't know why, but I pictured you cutting the bagel in half. No, it's like pre sliced. No, it makes no sense. It's pre sliced. <laughs> Wait, you get pre you just get like I just, just do like the Thomas like bagels. Oh, okay. That's because different. I'm lazy and it's quick and easy. Like when I was working at the school, like I just needed something to like I like how you you're saying lazy as if there's a non lazy way to do a bagel. You can buy a whole bag at like Nate's or something and cut it in half or whatever. That's stupid. I just bought the pre sliced ones. That's not, the, that's not, the not lazy. That's ones. stupid. It's not stupid. Those big ones look good. Okay, but... They're super good. No, I'm sorry. The, 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 the default way to bagels should not be, I bought a bag and I cut them myself. The default <laughs> way is buying a Thomas or a... Uh, yeah. Whatever. I got a pre-made bag of bagels. That's normal. I got some bagels. I would throw it in there. I do like veggie cream cheese. And then I just put a shit ton of vegetables now you're just on doing, it. Now you're just doing accents. Now I'm just doing voices. You please lean into it's it. It's fine. I won't um, match you though. I do... It's like do some cucumbers, tomatoes... Kale, some peppers, like red peppers or something. And that's, it's basically like half of a bagel sandwich, but without the top bagel. And then like veggie sausage. It's like super easy. I used to do cereal. I used to do like oatmeal and stuff, but that's like my go-to. You were picking him straight off the ground. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> do it if it hurt him. No, he's not hurt. I can pick him up by his mate, too. Oh my goodness. He's so strange. He's a little I'm just watching Jonathan play with Floyd, and Floyd's slapping Jonathan in the face. Oh, he's basically a lion. I want to feed him. Oh, is that it? I'll feed him after the show. Eh, he's fine. He's he's never been without. I know. He's My cat's never the same. gone without. Nugget's the same way. She likes to pretend that she's never fed, but she always cries, and she still has food in her bowl. Like, when have you never not had food? You little asshole. Fucking asshole. She likes yeah. to pretend. It's fine. She would not be in the room. Actually, she would probably be like laying on your on the laptop or laying on the table. I mean, I feel like he wants to, but I won't let him. Yeah, he was up here earlier. I was like, he's definitely rubbing on this. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. You get the whole experience here. It's cool. I like it. I'm fine with it. So I will say, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, don't try to host the show because I'll let you. Hi, this is Samantha Merce. Um, we're here with Jonathan Mistoe, and Thanks we're going uh, to talk to you about um, the best way. No, <laughs> what is some advice you could give me? I'm, you said you didn't want to give advice, and you haven't given any, but I'm asking because I'm a newbie. You're asking for improv advice? Yeah. Um, Sorry, not to zag on everyone. <laughs> um, my advice would be... The Taylor O'Sullivan always says the what's the what's the first rule of improv? Have fun. Recognize that everything that you're learning now, everything you're experiencing during your run of classes, <clears throat> is all a teaching experience. You're supposed to fail. You're supposed to have bad scenes. You're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to feel new. It's all new. But everything that you're getting is the tool on your tool belt that when you're done with classes, well, then you will be expected to utilize them as much. And even after that, you still go through a long period where 
you don't fucking know how to use all these, and you especially don't know how to use them all at once. Right. Please, there are still, like, so many things that I need to work on, and I'm, like, constantly working on it, which is why I'm where I am. As good as I, however good I am, it's like, that's because I you work hard on it. work at it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, like, I feel like it's important to ask for those notes, because it's like, we had, we had a coach who never watched me perform, but watched me that one practice, like, okay, well, what did you see? Yeah. Yeah. You have a completely unbiased opinion. So, like, trusting that, like, the tr- trusting the process of just, like, classes are for learning. Classes are for messing up. Classes are for learning how to use these tools. After class, if you want to be on an indie team or if you were get on a house team or you're in a show, it's, like, that's when you're expected to know how to use those tools. Right. But also, like, I've had shitty shows. Like, it's... Sometimes that's the that's the new learning experience. Once you're in classes, you still have to learn to get better at something. So recognize that like any show you do is all about learning. That that's the new class. That's you're right. you're now put in a high pressure situation where you learn on the fly. Right. Um, and if something doesn't feel good, don't ever do it again. Um, I think that that's like the main piece of advice. Uh, if it's something that you want to do, just trust in everything and constantly be working towards the next thing. Right. To fully exemplify that, it's like my goal is to teach. So, like, my goal was to be on a house team. Then I got on a house team. It's like, now my job is to be good at this. And then I got good at it. And now it's like, okay, now my next goal is to teach. It's like, I'm working until I get to that point. It's like, set goals and work towards something, but recognize that everything in between, though you making that goal and where you are now is, it's about that. You're supposed to do that. Right. Yeah, I think, like, if I had, like, as like a timeline of goals that I want to do. Like I would love to do an indie team. I would love to do like audition at least once for a house team. I think that would be fun. Um, if I can get on any team, that would be pretty. Or like a house team, that would be pretty sweet. It's a goal. It's not something you expect, but it's a no, goal. No, it is. And like that was the thing too. Like it was just something like applying to grad school was like something that I was just going to try and see what happened. And then I got it. And the crazy thing was I was like one of 13 people and I was like, how the fuck did this happen? Like mm-hmm. how many people applied for this? Like the fact that they said, okay, she's you. good enough. Yeah. yeah. It was weird. And then same with the internship, like, and just how it's been going. I would love to do that. And then just... Like, I got to do a couple, like, random walk-ons for Sarah Med's like, debate show two weekends in a row. And I just was, like, a weird, goofy, tertiary character that, like, was on there for literally 45 seconds and then walked off. But I enjoyed doing that. Like, even if it's just something to add flavor or color, like, I would, I like doing things like that. It's been, and, like, it doesn't necessarily, like, that was the whole thing, like... I think that's how me as a person and then even me as an improviser, like, yes, I like you saying I was the star of my showcase, like the one-on-one showcase, like is incredibly flattering. But at the end of the day, like I, how I operate as a person and how I try to operate in scenes with my partner is to just make sure that the other person is supported and they're able to say what they want to say, like, or do something as long as it's like not too crazy, like out of left field or something but yeah like helping sarah do that was like really awesome and the fact that she trusted me to do a good job was like really nice to be able to be a part of so that was cool well i do also want to say then uh when i said star show i didn't necessarily just mean like oh you were like the star character of town like i just meant like you had a lot of great moves and some no, of those moves yeah. were support moves and letting your partner talk and listen well thank you yeah there was a couple things i was like i feel like i'm talking a lot but i mean Someone has to talk. 
Yeah. Make good choices. Let, let them support your moves. Yeah, I, I tried. Uh, I can't even remember. I think some of the ones that in like the advice panel. I think that was one of the ones where I was just like, "Fuck it." Uh, I was it's like, shown. "I don't really know." Like, I was like, "Chris, you take the reins on this one, there, big guy." Like, I was like, "You got this." And then I would like speak when I needed to, or. It's, it's all good. Yeah, I, it was fun. Like, I think I don't know. It would be cool to be able to do something fun and have an outlet that way, especially with like grad school is going to kick my ass and I know that it will but I'm looking forward to it so it's just I think balancing that level of like academia and then like fun is going to be sure. really really good as, as someone who is in the position you are what, what are your thoughts on the uh, quote unquote advice that I give I think it's always comes from a good place and I think it always comes from a place that like is genuinely intended to oh you're talking about my I mean like what I said specifically. oh what you said specifically I think that's perfect like I remind Nolan that all the time like he's in his head constantly sure. like because he's on Joe and Anthony's house team and he constantly is like I don't really know how I'm feeling about this I was like well you're not having fun and I was like that's the whole reason why you did this and he takes improv very seriously sometimes you don't have fun on shows and because you're not following the first rule. Right, and that's always been something. And so, like, when he would have these moments where he was just, like, in his head or stressed out, I was like, Nolan, you need to make sure you're having fun. Like, that's the whole reason why you did this. Like, yes, you are doing it because you take it very seriously and you take comedy seriously, but you, at the end of the day, need to remember this is supposed to be fun. And so I do always have fun. It's, you know, it's hard to... I think it's hard to get out of your head and try to have fun when yeah. you when you're doubting everything that you're doing, your moves and everything. Like when you're doubting like your motion or your character, or, like how you're handling the situation, it's hard to have fun. But at the end of the day, it's like this is just meant to be play. Like yeah. and not in a bad way, and I'm not trying to diminish what everyone at the theater does. We literally do. call it playing. Yeah, no, it is. It's like mm-hmm. big kids playing imagine like it's exactly what I was doing in my living room as a child. Like I was playing like improv games but I didn't they weren't improv games like they were just I was just playing and that's what we're doing Um, and in terms of like I have to remind myself it's like everything I'm doing and Nolan reminds me of this you know everything I'm learning now I'm learning because at the end of the day they're all building blocks to a foundation of a house they're all tools in your tool belt yeah so it's like we're gonna be as much as Tim Allen sucks we're gonna be Tim the Toolman Taylor on home improvement we're gonna have all this shit we're gonna be able to like build something with people you know I there's so many people at the theater that I admire that I like want to play in that space with like would love to do something with you there's like Rachel Marsh is like one of the funniest people ever and she's so good at scenes and she like guest TA'd like my class one week in 101 and she I got to play with her a little bit and watch her like with my classmates and like I just like love her same with like Gretchen and like Riley a lot of the women at the theater I like just admire mm-hmm. unbelievably because they're some of the funniest like and I'm not saying like there's a lot of funny men at the theater but the women at our theater yeah. are we have incredible, fucking yeah. incredible Absolutely. Nicole, Katie, yeah. Sarah like they're all so good like they're awesome so I just you know I realized that like they all were in the same place I was that I am now that they all took the same classes and they worked and they practiced and they're, you know, they got to where they are because they put the effort and they put forth like, you know, time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping to do that. Like, I think all of that advice is merited and warranted. Like, I think I have to. It's not going to be perfect. No. And I fuck up a lot. Like you're going to have your own. You're going to have your own experience. Those are the lessons I pulled. I mean, you're going to pull your own lessons. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. 
and trying to like remember everything and all that fun stuff is please some of the things you were saying it sounded like you were reading it from the like the book really yeah well I mean I I never used like the phrasing in 201 come on well it like I'm the type of person you correctly used the phrase tertiary move come on (laughs) yeah I guess that's true well, and, like, she writes it on the board. Like, Kimberly writes it on the board. And I, like, sometimes learn better by, like, seeing it, visualizing it, and then doing, and, like, a combination of all the, the learning styles, for sure. She's great. She's, she's one of my favorite people. She's going to be hosting Coalition Live. Is she really? Featuring Dad's column. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. I put myself on my own show. <laughs> Why not? Whatever. My fucking show. You're the host of the show. We also, who doesn't want to see Dad's column? Um, I mean, I love seeing you guys together. Who? The four of you, is it, like, all four of you going to do it? Um, I think so, yeah, TBD. Yes. Just we're trying to, trying to iron out the logistics. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. You guys fun. are ridiculous together. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. I really, I just, like, there's certain people I just, like, love watching play. Like, Lauren Serpa and Josh Wright. Uh, the sweet, sweet angel babies. And then, like, anytime they're on the both scene. Both on Gossip Edge. I know. Every time. All of y'all. And Riley, everyone on your team is just, they, like, mesh so well together. Let's just say all their names. Emily, Reed, Micah. Yes. Oh, they're so amazing. Riley. You're a set, la- uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before with the Cowboy and the Saloon. Was one of the best, <laughs> <laughs> like, scenes ever. Oh, oh ridiculous. I was so at nice. the, I was working the bar that night, and I just was, like, losing my shit. That it was, was incredible. That was such a fun night. That was such a fun set. Yeah, I love that team very much. They, you guys have a really good chemistry together, and it shows. I just... I, I still run the high in practice yesterday. It was so fun. Yeah. What'd you do in practice? Um, we did... I led warm-ups. We... We did those, and we worked on emotion and like heightening emotion without necessarily heightening like levels of speech. <clears throat> we ran a montage for like the first time ever, so we ran a mono scene normally, yeah. just to say. But like, so we ran a montage for the first time, and our first scene was like four minutes long of a fifteen-minute set. Oh my god! Yeah, it was like too, like we just like it was like fun, and we just kept going with it because like let's just keep exploring. That's, yeah, you're know, like why fun. not? Yeah, I don't know. It was um, then we ran a, a scene, and it was. So this is super fun. Kimberly was Kimberly's our guest coach, or not our guest coach, our assistant coach. I'm not sure the official term. Amber's our coach, but um, so Amber was unable to be there. So Kimberly was doing the practice, and she gave us challenges beforehand to go into the the set you went at the end of practice, mm-hmm. and uh, it just it just I don't know. It, it was like a the thing did. He was like work on this thing you don't do often, like work on that. Um, and so it was a really cool dynamic of seeing us do our normal thing, but with every single person playing differently. So it was like a, it was like a different game, like you're playing it from a different point of view. But 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 but, but from the same, but with all of the knowledge that I saw. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was fucking. It was cool. It was a cool thing. She's really good at. Um, Kimberly is really good at trying to challenge you, which I think like. In most things in life, like, you can't grow if you don't challenge yourself. Yep. Relationships, creative, like, creatively, like, writing, making music, like, you need to challenge yourself, like, and I think performing, obviously, like, working with an emotion that you're not typically good at working with. Like, I think I'm really good at playing sedate or deadpan or being, like, 
anxious or kind of annoyed. Like I can do those very well. Yeah. But I think the ones that I would have trouble with would be outright anger and just like being sad. Like sorrow, like, and I feel like not a lot of people do that necessarily on stage. Sometimes they do, but like, I think I would have a difficult time doing that. And so those would be something I would have to work on, like object work, or even like not making the first move or something like that. Like I don't know, there would be things. I'm, I'm sure that when I get my notes from <laughs> from Kimberly, I'll probably like have the whole thing. But it's uh, she's really good at just like challenging you, like, yeah. and I find that admirable because I think you, you really you just can't you can't learn if you can't change something if you don't get challenged like I like that yeah I think there on one hand I feel like there's a lot of merit for that because like that's the one thing I always ask for it's like I want notes I want to know I want to know tell me this tell me that but also there is some idea of being able to succeed in that space and also just get to build not mm-hmm. always like staying inside and like oh I'm so focused on what I'm doing but like allowing yourself to just like be good and like have good times and and just gel yeah and then get a little critical as a group maybe or figure out what you can do better and then and then go into it with personal challenges having that chemistry where you can still do a good team though you're playing a way you never play right mine was a uh, play a high status character i oh. play low status characters she was like yeah you're good at that but like and i'm paraphrasing do something different yeah <laughs> okay like, let's see let's see a little something else what else you got i can see you're saying that <clears throat> Like, that, 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 I mean, I didn't do the. I mean, impre- you're not, you know. I, I didn't do the. Imp- I didn't do the vocal impression at all, but I felt like I. No, you were. I over exaggerated the physical. Impression. Yeah, no, you did, and I got that because she's like, or not, you know, like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> she's like, it's like a so like a so start a word slow and then finish it faster. Yeah. Whatever. Start high and low. Yeah. I think I would have a hard time with, like, high and low status. We've done that a couple times. Like, she was talking about that. But I'm only... I only just heard that phrasing, like, in the last few weeks, I think. Because Nolan was talking about that um, at um, their team, like, house team practice. Like, practicing on, like, high and low status. And I was like, well, what does that mean? He was like, you know, like, a a boss and, like, someone. I was like, that makes a lot more sense. Like, an employee or something. Or whatever. I do want to ask you, and I don't... For, re- for this reason, oh, let this be your out. I don't like to get into this topic too much because I want the each episode to be about the person. Mm-hmm. And like, but also, it's hard to ignore the idea. Like, you are seeing another creative type. Yes. And we, we want to get into the improviser fact because I feel like um, it's, it's... I definitely don't want to compare because you guys are two totally different people and two different right. like, separate steps of your journey. <clears throat> but I want to look at it as two creative types, like... One of the things I'm fascinated with is how you support one another because, like, I've, I've dated creative type, non-creative types or people who weren't supportive in that role before. So I've always wondered how it feels to be in that space and how it feels to support that, if you have any thoughts about it. So it's really interesting because, like, most of my partners and, like, significant others have all been musicians, like, in some regard or another, like... They were in band with me in high school, like, crushes in high school or boys that I, like, kissed or whatever. Or, like, <laughs> it was never anything beyond that. Like, it never, like, deviated from that. Or, like, my fr- like I, all of my boyfriends have played music. Um, the way that I support in terms of him, he plays music, too. He plays guitar. He can play mandolin. 
banjo. He, like, does, like, dabbles in electronic music, too, like, using synths and all sorts of, like, beat machines and things like that. I like hearing that stuff. Like, I have friends who, if I come over, they'll play their guitar. Like, we're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm playing. I'm like, no, I love this. Like, I was telling you earlier, like, having that kind of, like, constant stream of music being played in the background is not annoying to me. Like, some people may find it irritating. But I really love and enjoy it. So, like, he went... Tolan was going through a Grateful Dead phase the last few weeks. I... Work, I worked at a record store for seven years. I don't like jam bands. I don't like the dead. And it's simply because of their fans. Similarly, this is unpopular opinion, like very, very hot take unpopular opinion. And you can choose to debate me about this if you want, if you see me at the theater around town. At Slam of God. At Slam of God on Instagram, exosamcore on Twitter. Literally, it's been my handle since I was like 19 years old. Um... I don't like the Beatles. And it has nothing to do with their music. I understand how important they are to music, popular culture. Like, I respect where they were. I respect them. I respect what the music has done, how it transformed the way music was made. Um, You know, Abbey Road, all this stuff. But I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to the Beatles. Sure. And half of it has to do with when I worked at Plan 9, um, I was one of two women that worked there, and I was constantly, like, belittled, gaslit, uh, and had sexist comments said to me. One of the most annoying things, the Beatles reissued their entire catalog, remastered, like, cleaned up in mono and stereo in 2009. So it was released on 9909. We had huge posters in the window. And we were doing pre-sales and stuff like that for, like, the mono box set, the stereo box set. And we had, like, grown-ass men, like, in their 50s and 60s, coming into the store and telling me I didn't know who the fuck the Beatles were. Because I'm, quote-unquote, too young. Or because I'm a young woman. I'm like, Paul McCartney's face is in the window, and it's six feet tall. Are you telling me I don't know who the fuck the Beatles are? So, like, I don't go out of my way to listen to it. But I respect them for where they're at. Similarly, going back, Nolan really likes the dead. I hate the dead. But he really likes it because it has it reminds him of when he lived in Idaho and like his friends and all this stuff. So I came home one day when he was going through this kick and he had like a backing track on the TV on like YouTube. And he was playing his guitar, just like running scales and like running riffs and stuff like that. And he was like, I'm really sorry. Do you want me to turn it off? I was like, no. I was like, even if it's the Grateful Dead, like you're practicing music that you want to practice. Like you are doing something that you want to do. This is something that you are trying to make better. I'm never going to not support you doing something creative. Similarly, when he performs improv, I'm incredibly supportive of everything. I listen to everything he has to say. I offer advice when I can. He sometimes is, like, overly critical. He also sometimes has a tendency, I love you, Nolan, to put blame on other people before he looks at how he's how he responded to a situation. Fair. So I'm like, but you yourself... You cannot do that. Like, you have to look at yourself. Mm -hmm. This is not about anyone else. This is about you. And so I had, like, I would offer advice, and sometimes he wouldn't listen to it, and he would ask everyone else for advice. And I'm like, look, you either are going to listen to what I have to say, or I'm not going to give you any more advice. 
And, like, and he's had, you know, times where he was like, you're not on my team. I was like, I'm always on your team. Literally, creatively, any kind of endeavor you do, I'm always on your team. Listen to you. I'm on every team. I'm on all your teams. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like I'm going to be allowed to offer you on, like, unrelenting like kind of critiques i'm gonna tell you how it is As i'm not gonna partner, i'm kind of part of this yeah it's like i'm not going to let you do something stupid and tell you it's right like oh you're right you're entirely right it's like no that's not how it works sure. like you need to recognize your faults you need to recognize when you have a, when you trip when you fuck up like yeah well i mean that's part of the process and it's, it's awesome that you yeah. have someone support so that, dude, that, that's what I'm, that, that's why i asked the question sure. it's like <clears throat> that's a good thing that he has. That's a good thing that you do. That's a good. That's a good way to approach that situation because I feel like just like asking for critiques or learning or growing. It's like just understanding that. Like I don't know. That's also how you build trust. <clears throat> yeah, I would never like intentionally like if you ask me for something or if any one of my teammates like um in my class like. Or anyone from the theater asks for like for advice, like just full out advice, yeah. which I love listening to people. I'm very, I would like to say, I'm a very friendly person. I'm pretty easy to get along with, but and I love listening to people. Like if you have something you have to say, like I will always be quiet and I will always listen and offer you true, genuine feedback because I care. Like whether you know me well or not, like I care about you, and I'm not going to bullshit you and lead you down the wrong path, like. Um, whether it's, you know, writing or art, like you're painting a picture or you're performing on a stage, like I'm going to be genuine about all of it. And so I think whether it's good or bad, like, and, so, and that was something I had to learn. Like I was, I said earlier, like I was really bad at taking criticism, like to the point where I would just tear up immediately if anyone said anything bad, I don't have to like choke it back. But it's, I got, I've gotten older. Like, it's like, this is the only way for you to grow. Like. If you're not good at something, you need to learn and adjust and see how you can make it better. So similarly, like with any creative process, like I take criticism seriously, but also like as a turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not meant to be like, you're a bad person. You suck. Like that's how I used to take it. But now I don't do that. So similar. That's how I am with people. Like I know that they care because this is something like they're insecure about or they're feeling a certain way about so i'm always going to be incredibly genuine about like the feedback i give and it's never going to be bullshit it's never going to be sugar-coated sometimes it's sugar-coated like if i don't know you very well sure. but i'm never going to bullshit you like on an answer yeah. because you deserve to have someone be honest with you and if you're asking the question you want a real answer yeah <clears throat> exactly i'm here for it it just makes it makes things easier. And that's that like communication. Like I'm a really big proponent on communication, like especially with how you're feeling about something in every relationship. Like I've been reading a book the last few weeks and it's called A Little Life and it's literally the best book I've read. Speaking of like creative processes, I wanna write quote unquote a great American novel, whatever. But you know, sometimes I don't, I don't find the, I can't find the time to do it, or I'm having a hard time struggling with the topic. And I read a book like this, and it's about a relationship with four guys from college. I've like talked to like everybody about it, and it's about their relationship as they grow up from like the time they're in their late twenties till they're like in their early fifties. Like, and it's, it's made me reevaluate how, even though they're fictional characters, but it's how they love each other because they're all friends. 
and how they love each other where they're at, they support each other where they're at, and they're friends regardless of the choices that they make. And it may, it's made me reevaluate, and I'm like getting emotional about it, it's made me reevaluate who I am in my relationships. Like, how can I help support other people? How can I be a better friend, a better, like, partner or coworker or just a person in someone's, like, life like a like a tertiary character in someone's walk on like you know like how can I a tertiary character in a walk on <laughs> they're the same thing in a walk on though you, someone walked on and you duck, you jumped on to be a tertiary character yep. and just and I was licking off. the lid of the ice cream and the bluebell ice cream and I just stuck it straight back on and I walked off like you know wow, what, I mean? what a move what uh, a power would, move yeah that's what I would do that's but, a good you, you execute a tertiary move in a walk on I'll be impressed I We'll do it. I'm here for it. Call it. I will. <laughs> two person scene. Uh, I will walk on on your walk. In a, in a two person scene. You go, gosh. In a two person scene, you're going to walk on. We're, we're going to do a two person scene. Then you're going to walk off. You're going to walk, walk on off. and the tertiary move and walk off. Shh. While being in the scene. It'll all work out fine. I can do it. I, I can, believe you. I can splice myself. You just like you just say you just go be the other character, and then the other one will be assumed. Yes, it'll be like, oh yeah, Sam came became this other person. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That cool, happened cool, in cool. a death clone set for junior high. Damn. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, was this last week? Yeah, it was like us, and then it was like eight or nine characters. Damn. It was fun. It was a good set. That sounds great. I had to work. <sighs> Missed it. But yeah. Anyway. How do you feel? Feel good. How long do you think we've been going? Uh, like almost two hours. Almost two hours. I'm I'm go I'm aiming for less less than hour. Okay. So, I'm I feel good. Unless there's something you didn't want to get into, I feel like we got it. No, I mean, I is there anything you wanted to go over while you're still I'm um, so grounded? One more one more follow up boy thought. Oh yes. I just I want one more from you. One more follow up boy thought. Well, okay. So there's so there is. So so much to cover. There's so many stages. Yes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you What do you want to say? Okay. So it's funny because a lot of people think it's like I will just go with this general idea. A lot of people like to shit on Fallout Boy because it is like it's seen as twee. It's seen as we talked about this at dinner, like ESPN music, like especially now, like the later Fallout Boys, like ESPN jock jams kind of shit, and it's. It sucks, and at a certain point, I used to feel, like, really bad about it. But I really just don't care anymore. I know that some people will be overly mocking, but some people, like... Like, I really like Deftones also, and people shit on Deftones all the time. Deftones mm-hmm. fucking rule. But on top... And I've seen them live. Like, they're very good. Or, like, other people shit on, like... Like, Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses are amazing. And I've seen <laughs> them live. Like, they played for three hours... Okay, here's my one hot take about Fall Out Boy. They have gotten stuck in this greatest hits live album, like live performance cycle. And they've been doing it for the last two and a half years. And it's in, it's infuriating because you have people like you and me who have been fans for a really long time. And we're not just going to see greatest hits. But I understand why they do it because they have young fans that know those singles and they're not there for the super deep cuts. And they're just there for fun. They want to dance and they want to sing to the singles, which I get. But it also is detrimental because you have bands like Guns N' Roses who have three albums, technically. 
we're not counting like the spaghetti incident was like an EP kind of situation like a mixed live album and then they had Chinese Democracy which took fucking 15 years to come out and it was really bad and it was just Axel and it wasn't anyone else like Duff and Slash and like Mm -hmm. Dizzy and all the guys weren't on there so the fact is and even this is my one one direction take too one direction had four albums i saw them play at the raven stadium i saw guns and roses play at fedex field guns and roses played for three hours with three albums and they were phenomenal okay like axel's voice sounds amazing slash was crushing with the guitar solos like it was one of the best live shows i've ever seen similarly one direction played for three hours and they had four records but they played like they made sure that every single person in that stadium there's 60,000 One Direction fans like this is before they you know went on hiatus broke up whatever but they played for almost three hours all these songs came out did encores bantered with the crowd it was incredible the fact that and I get that Fall Out Boy are dads and but like Duff McKagan has children Slash has kids like One Direction doesn't have children and granted they were being paid a lot and they were kind of getting pushed through this like tour 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 till you die thing because you're young but they still put on such a show that it was worth it Mm -hmm. and the thing that bothers me about Fall Out Boy's live shows recently especially like seeing them in Chicago like I have seen the same set list at least three or four times in the last two years. And it's exhausting, because I don't care. They played Lake Effect Kid, and they played Disloyal Order of the Water Buffalo. Okay. Which are great, because the last time they played Disloyal Live was on the Folia Do Tour in 2009. Wow, really? And they opened with it. Oh, that makes sense. Dude, it was nuts. They had, like... People in riot gear with like marching oh, yeah, yeah, marching yeah. quints on. Is that when they came out dressed as like presidents? Or whatever? Yeah, they were like um, beat suits. up. They were beat up politicians. And oh, it was yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, it was right on. as it was right before Obama got elected. Because they wanted to release the album on November fourth. They did, and they pushed it back. So like we, we I went we, to we that second album. I went to that album release show. I also went to the secret show that was the week of the election in Philadelphia, and they played for two hours. Like so, like. And I got to do meet and greet with him at that record release show in in Times Square. It was phenomenal. So I, I saw them at Mary So we Wynn. know you can do it. So, yeah. So I know you can do it. And they were playing, like, the secret show. They didn't have a set list. They played a couple new songs from Foley, like, live. And they're like, Pete was like, man, you guys sure know these songs because the album leaked. Like, and so he used to get really mad about it, but he didn't, like, I think at that point he had stopped caring. But it was the week of the election, right before Obama won. And... They just, like, were taking song requests out of the crowd. And they played all of them. They played for two and a half. It was the hottest, sweatiest show I've ever been to. It was oh so gratifying. Oh, my God. This sounds amazing. Oh, my God. It was incredible. And, you know, they have the capacity and they have the capability to do it. But I think at a certain point, like, even, like, the the graphics they use for their live show are the exact same graphics they've been using since they were doing Save Rock and Roll stuff. They're picking and choosing they're throwing in a couple new songs they're not doing deep cuts from the record that are actually good and it's just lazy and it it bugs me because i know patrick has the vocal capability granted joe had back surgery and joe's back is all fucked up like i don't know how andy and pete's physical health are but i know joe has suffered a lot of like physical injury and patrick may not remember a lot of the lyrics but he vocally can do it 
they all can do it, but I why I don't really know. So I constantly <laughs> also there's literally lyric sites everywhere, Patrick. Right, they just need to practice a little that's longer. No, it's not that hard. So like that's I, my. I literally watched an interview uh, like a couple months ago where he's like, I don't even practice anymore. I know all the songs. And he does. He's incredible. Yeah. No, and like, he's a phenomenal But like drummer. this thing is like, well, how much did they practice? Because they were just playing the same songs. Granted, they're not like, yeah, it's like, I'm sure they're playing the same like 18 songs. And it's it sucks because it's not it's not fun anymore. And that's my that's my one problem. It's like you guys have this extensive catalog, and you have One Direction, and you have Guns N' Roses, and you have Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam has a huge catalog, but they still play a different set list every fucking night. Like, I've seen Pearl Jam too, and like, they were unbelievable. And half the time, Eddie Vedder is just like wine drunk out of his ass, but he's still singing. He knows what he's singing. He knows what he's doing, and he's performing like amazingly well. So that's my that's my hot take with Fall Out Boy. I want them to try and do something different. I want them to challenge themselves in terms of saying that and like mm-hmm. keeping on brand with like challenge yourself. It's the only way you learn. I think they're just being lazy, and it irritates me. Maybe they don't have the time. Maybe they don't like seeing each other as much as they used to. Maybe it's just for the paycheck. But like, it sucks. Like that's yeah. the that's the disappointing part. Hopefully, I can turn around. We love them. I do. I would follow them to the end. Between, yeah. Don't, don't even get me started. Like One don't Direction. Even, don't even get me started. Now I'm started. Now I'm sta- Now I'm going to talk about One Direction. Harry Styles. Okay, this is my hot take on Harry Styles. Ugh. This is my one hot take. Okay. Harry Styles' solo record was amazing. Uh huh. Okay. Very, very 1970s classic rock style. Very much his brand. He's, like, in with Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and, like, all these people. Elton John. I want him to have a as diverse of a musical career as, like, Bowie and, like, Elton John did. And I think he can definitely do it. I love all the boys, but they all have different genres. Like, Niall's very sweet and adorable. And Niall's, like, more like the Eagles in terms of, like, 70s rock music. But Harry's more of, like, the experimental art hose of that like era like and I really genuinely think he could do some pretty cool shit he's also in the running for being Prince Eric in the live action Little Mermaid and I co-sign that shit I want him to be Prince Eric so bad well now you're on record now I'm on record that news came out today oh hot take hot take they're saying that he's like up in the runnings but anyway well uh, I asked Joe so this is the second episode of season five yes so I wish I had changed it up. So I asked Joe how she, and the episodes. <clears throat> uh, I don't know how far back you've listened, but when I first started, I did this in my bedroom in my uh, apartment in Cleveland. Mm. And I, at the time, basically had that one room for myself. So I, everything I owned was in that room, and I used to cover my walls with shit. Um, so I would make the person pick what the weirdest thing in my room was. Mm. And then I moved to the house on Idlewood where I had a studio. And at the time when I started that season, I think it was season three, um, it was bare. And it eventually only got filled with gifts from friends uh, who came on the show. So now that I'm in my apartment on yes. Boulevard, uh this is my living room, and there's enough shit up here where I can play that game. Well, so I, so what I, I did was ask Joe, I'm like, how should I end the episodes now? And he said, with two, I said something to the effect of with two things: a slogan, and then you play the weirdest thing in the room. Mm. So, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you, how do you want to end the episode? Okay. I want you to do that, 
and then I'll, I want you to do and then Joe's things. Um, I want to hear what yours is first. Then in any order, do those things, and then one. Oof. So, in terms of ending the show, how would you end it? Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm in two hundred one right now. I'm like, um, you can do a self-contained emotional statement about your scenic, like your partner at the other end of the table. Okay. And you could play off of that, or so you're saying we do. You say I would say something about you. You say something about me. And then what? That's it. Maybe like a line or two. <laughs> okay, we'll try. So then, what's the order you want to do those then? You, I don't care. No, you, you have to pick. It's, you have oh, some. sorry, you're right. It's mine. Um, you can go first. No, no you, you want to do that? You want to do that game first? We can, yeah, if you want. I or we can do that later. Oh my god, I'm sorry. It's it's you because get to pick. this is you're the host though. Yeah, but I'm bequeathing it to you. Oh okay. Um, and then one of Joe's things. I kind of like. You the have weird, to do both of them. Oh, I have to do both of them. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make everyone do. I'm going to stack, so everyone's going to have to do this. Oh, until, perfect. Until I get bored of it. It's or, like playing it with the room and you add one extra thing to the room. You have to do you have to object work. Yeah, yeah, inter- yeah. We're basically okay. playing that game, but cool. with uh, outros. Mm. Okay, so maybe we can do a self-contained emotional statement for that, a slogan. And then, and then we just thing? Yeah. Call it. We have to do one for each of us, though. Okay. So I just say a self-contained emotional statement, but it has yeah. to be about my scene partner? Yeah, it has to be about your scene partner. Like... Kimberly and Anthony. Well, were then like, you go first. Cause okay, you understand. But. So the way they explained you know, it was you like know, you're saying it as this is my like this is me explaining it. Like we're saying like you I I feel X about you. Like it has to be something that you feel about them. Okay. Like so, one of my things was like I hate when you pretend to drive it. Like one of my things in class was like someone I was trying to scoop ice cream and someone was pretending to drive a car and I was like I hate when you try to pretend to drive a car when we're trying to fucking work like mm-hmm. our like minimum wage job or something like that. Um, and then you just respond in character? Yeah, but then someone, Great. like, did a scene edit or whatever. But, um... All right. So, um... I like... I'm going to be earnest. I'm not going to, like, say anything, sh- like, goofy or something like that. Oh, I had a goofy one. Oh, you can do goofy. Okay. I'm just going to be I'll, earnest. Well, then let me go first. Okay, you go first. I hate it when you cut all the page numbers off the magazines. I can never find where I want to be. Why do, why do you do that? I'm just really trying to, like, make a collage that just, like, really fits into uh, my Color by Numbers world, okay, Jonathan? Color by Numbers world. That's the question. It's a self emotional statement. It was not lost on me. <laughs> um, I find it really annoying when, like, you decide to take all the cat hair you've taken off of Floyd and then just stick it on a pillow and wait for me to lay on it and I just get up in my shit and it gets stuck to my lip balm. All right, well, that's my way of telling you that you wear too much lip balm. You're right. I do put a lot of Vaseline on before I go to bed. <laughs> it's aggressive. <laughs> I've been told that before. <laughs> I cannot wait to do that for, like, <laughs> weeks. Okay, uh, slow or catchphrase, and then weirdest thing in the room. And if you pick the same thing someone else has picked, you pick again. Okay, um, so do I have to make a catchphrase up for my episode? Or for just in general. I don't remember what his was, and I don't remember what his point was. So I'm going to just leave it vague and say catchphrase. Catchphrase. Uh, Sam and Jonathan, most likely to talk about Fall Out Boy <laughs> Un- uh, uninterrupted. <laughs> it's probably pretty on brand for this one. <laughs> when no one interrupts us, we can go. <laughs> no, we would, uh, it would just keep going. We're like an Ouroboros. We're just going to continue snake eating mm-hmm. itself until we all die. Um, weirdest thing in the room. 
I'm quite fond of the picture of the zombie eating the, like, human sandwich. Yeah. It's got a dollar bill attached to him. <laughs> and his, like, dead, like, armadillo hair. I think what I'm going to do instead of the game I came up with is make every person describe that picture. <laughs> I think because that's pretty good. You get everyone, everyone, every guest is going to sit and stare at it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Joe described it in the first one because he was commenting uh, my place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I got to figure out if Ian painted that or not because I just, I got to start, I got to know the facts because this is now a key piece in this in my show. It's pretty, it's, it's yeah. So, it's so great, right? No, I love it. It's, I, why, it's the centerpiece. No, it's like, I love the yellow of the eyes, but then I also really like the green dead animal on his head. It looks like what an armadillo. What the fuck is that? It's like an armadillo, right? Yeah. And there's never... like a snake bow tie and the dollar. The background, too. Yeah, I like the background. I'm really the into, frame. like, I'm kind of wondering what's on a sloppy joe. Like, it, like you know, it kind of looks like, and this is me being, like, really weird about it, but, like, the inside of, like, have you ever seen a microscopic, like, zoom in of, like taste buds or like the inside of your stomach or anything like a it looks kind of like that like they have like little like tendrils on it that like absorb the nutrients that like you eat i think if there's any medical people on the show i'm really sorry if i'm botching this like people that listen to it i was gonna i was trying to think of a way to make it like a dead person and also the sandwich and what i came up with is a sloppy dane sloppy dane joe Sloppy Dane Joe. Because you can't see. Oh, Jane Doe. Oh, I like it. Do it, do it, do it. That's the name of this piece. That's the name of the sandwich. I think it has a name. What's the name of it? I have to go pick it up. So say your goodbye, and then we'll end it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to me talk about the most ridiculous things. And I'm really sorry I talked a lot about Fall Out Boy. You guys are wonderful. Please, please come at me with your dissenting opinions about Fall Out Boy, One Direction, how I don't like the Beatles. Uh, how Guns N' Roses is fucking incredible or just anything in between because I want to be friends with all of you. I'm going to say goodbye. Bye. I love you guys.